and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas odds maker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence. And now, let's get it on. Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this post-Thanksgiving week, heading down to the National Football League stretch run and what will be the week of college football conference championship games in the world of college football. And with that, I want to welcome our co-host Victor King in from King Creole Sports. And Victor, I hope you and your family had a very happy Thanksgiving holiday. We did, Mark. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, a very nice, of course, my wife is from Colombia. We do things with a little bit of a Spanish flair on Thursday. Turkey Day had a very nice day. And uh, we did okay with the handicapping. Great days on Thursday, on Friday. We gave a little back on Saturday and Sunday. Nothing to write home about, but uh, overall, a very fun four-day period. I'm glad to hear that, Victor. It was nice for us in our house, household as well. Uh, I even got through the Thanksgiving weekend despite the fact that our 10-star college football game of the year did not get there for us. I was really deeply disappointed when I saw a lack of effort, if you will, from Florida State when they took on Florida in what I had figured to be their biggest revenge game perhaps they've ever played in their school history, given the fact that when Florida beat them in the season-ending game last year, it snapped a 42-year win streak for the Florida State Seminoles, and they played some pretty good football under interim head coach Odell Haggins, but that wasn't the case Saturday when the Gators emerged victorious. But we will soldier on, as they say, and we'll get ready for the upcoming college football conference games coming up this weekend. Victor, your take on what you saw uh, in college football last year, I think maybe we'll start off with the fact that uh, there were a few college football firings and one resignation, a surprise resignation. Uh, Chris Peterson resigns from the University of Washington, as he says, to clear his head a little bit. I kind of read in between the lines and see maybe a bigger job in the offing for him. But uh, world of college football, once again, now the hatchet begins as the college football season ends. And surprisingly, as we talked about before the show, there have been three firings in the Southeast Conference to date so far. Victor, your take on what's going on in the world of college football head coaching these days. Right. That is surprising. You know, last year at this time, they had not fired anybody. So we've had three, in fact, two this weekend. We already know earlier in the year what happened there in Arkansas with Chad Morris going down. But uh, this was one of those tragic comedy SEC kind of weekends here. And it basically started with the Egg Bowl game between Mississippi and Mississippi State. And number one, we know that Mississippi, they canned their Rebel alum, Matt Luke. It wasn't a surprise. He was actually moving in a downward direction. I believe they declined from, what, 6'6 six, six to 5'7 to 4'8 in his three seasons in the SEC. But what was kind of funny and tragic at the same time was if you watch the end of that Egg Bowl game, it ended with that Rebels receiver, Elijah Moore, lifting his leg in a <laughs> fake dog urine puddle. And the, basically, the what's weird is the ripple effect from his fake urine puddle 
it's slightly less hilarious now, I have to say, because it apparently played a part in not just one, but a couple of coaches losing their jobs. I mentioned uh, Matt Luke at Ole Miss. Uh, a day before Luke was uh, nuked, Missouri got rid of uh, alum Barry Odom as well after four seasons. Uh, he departed with a 25-25 record, and it was a very disappointing year for Missouri as well. This was a team that a lot of people late in the summer had called me in the offices and said, you got to slam Missouri over six wins this season because they're going to easily win nine or ten games with that cake schedule. Uh, it didn't happen. He had uh, Drew Locke in his first three seasons and a very easy schedule in that fourth season. So uh, a little bit surprising, but uh, Barry Odom also goes down for Missouri. Again, my takeaway was that uh, guy faking a dog urine and the ripple effect was amazing uh, after what happened in the Egg Bowl. Yeah, sometimes kids don't realize what can happen, what the end result can be. And it was a little bit uh, disappointing, if you will, for Matt Luke, who breeds uh, and blood runs through his veins. Old Miss Blood, he was a player there, a coach, and uh, really sad to see that situation happen because he'd been doing a pretty good job recruiting. They just hadn't get the, the job done on the field, if you will, a football team that uh, under Matt Luke in his three years had never made a bowl game. And I guess that's the bottom line when it comes to college football coaches, especially in the Southeast conference. And speaking about the Southeast conference, Victor, the college football playoff rankings came out again this Tuesday and no change in amongst the first, uh, I would say six football teams, but a little bit of a surprise to me and ask, correct me if I'm wrong. Does Alabama war being, uh, as a two loss team, as high as being in the top 10 in these rankings at this stage? Uh, actually, I've got the rankings now, and it's showing them at number 12. It is showing three two-loss teams okay, ahead go. of them in Wisconsin, Florida, and Penn State, all three-loss teams slightly ahead. Uh, what's fascinating to me is that uh, there's an SEC team with even more losses in Alabama that's ranked higher than in the polls. And, of course, that's the team that just defeated them last week, the Auburn Tigers, coming in at number 11 with their 9-3 and three record, moving up four spots in the poll. So that's a little surprising to see for me that a team that has more losses in Alabama and the SEC is ranked even higher than them. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I guess just given the fact that they did beat Alabama, perhaps warrants that particular selection. But it's going to be interesting with these uh, top seven teams, uh, two of them playing one another, number seven, Baylor, number six, Oklahoma. And that's going to be our featured conference or college football conference game of the week. We'll talk about that a little bit more in discussion. Utah sits at number five and Georgia number four. We all know the top three teams in college football, the only undefeated teams in the world of college football. So the, uh, right now the question is, who will be playing Clemson in that first-round game? Because that's the team that nobody seems to want to have to face going into the college football playoffs, and it's understandably so. The Clemson Tigers, the only team in college football this year that have not allowed 300 yards in any football game they've played and they look like another team on a mission here. They won 15-0 last year. They're undefeated again this year. And understandably so, the team that nobody will want to end up having to play when it gets to be the college football playoffs. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And, Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things and 
find out what we learned in the world of the National Football League last week. And uh, first of all, before we get there, Victor, how did the favorites and the dogs shake out overall on Thanksgiving week? Last week was the most middle-of-the-road week of the season, whether you play sides, favorites, dogs, overs, unders. It was basically 8-8 eight and eight across the board, whatever metric you used. Uh, dogs went 8-8 eight and eight last week. There were three long dogs that not only covered the point spread but won their games outright. Of course, we're talking about uh, Buffalo against Dallas on Turkey Day. And, of course, a couple of 10-point-plus underdogs that won outright uh, two of the larger upsets of the season. Washington, of course, defeating Carolina. Miami Dolphins down here uh, defeating and embarrassing the Philadelphia Eagles. For those of you who had Carolina in your survivor pool, you were probably eliminated last week. Uh, I made the last second switch myself to the Kansas City Chiefs off of Carolina, so I'm still there for another week. And I'm kind of thrilled with the outcome in that game, if you will, because I also used Washington in the wise guy contest as my play of the week. So uh, we're very pleased with those results for the, for the season. Now the dogs, they're profitable overall, 99, 84 and six. It's the road dogs that have been most popular at 68, 47 and three. And uh, of course, the last couple of weeks I've mentioned the absolute best or most profitable situation for betting dogs this season. And here you go out of the database since uh, the, Dogs we mentioned last week, I believe, all swept the board. But we got 29-11-3 this season for road dogs taking on any opponent off a loss. They went 2-0 last week again with Buffalo and Washington. And we could even tighten that a little bit better, Mark, to 16-3-2 on the season if these dogs are taking on an opponent who does not have a winning record. And, in fact, there's four such dogs this week that are active in that 16-3-2 ATS system. Carolina plus the points against Atlanta. Cincinnati plus the points against Cleveland. Uh, Miami over the Jets. And, of course, the New York Giants on Monday night over Philadelphia. That's been your best situation this year uh, in terms of the over-unders. As I mentioned, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. Not much to talk about. Uh, 92 overs on the season 99 unders. The uh, primetime games, again, have been uh, profitable for under betters as well. But that's where we're at uh, in terms of dogs, favorites, uh, overs, and unders. Well, I know Victor won't mention it, but I will. He mentioned briefly the Wise Guy Contest, and it happens to be Victor King, who is leading the Wise Guys Contest this year as we go into this weekend's games. He's got a nice two-point lead over the pack, so you might want to tune in to Victor's plays in the Wise Guys contest this weekend. You can download a copy of the Wise Guy contest report at playbook.com where you'll get 100 picks and selections from the 50 contestants, two picks each from each contestant with some triple plays. Those are top-rated games this week here. Check it all out, the Playbook Wise Guys contest report at playbook.com. And speaking about the National Football League, Victor, I like to review the playoff picture as it stands each and every week. Uh, serves as some impetus for some football teams that have reasons to play and other teams that perhaps look like they may be falling down the ladder. And lo and behold, what do we find? A new number one seed in the AFC. And that happened because the New England Patriots fell at the hands of Deshaun Watson in the Houston Texans Sunday night. Now, Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens, the Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens, are the number one seed in the AFC going into this weekend. That's followed by number two, New England, 
number three, Houston, number four, Kansas City, number five, Buffalo, and number six, Pittsburgh. Those would be the six teams that would make the playoffs out of the AFC were to start this weekend. Over on the NFC side of things, the number one team is the New Orleans Saints. Number two, the Seattle Seahawks, the surging Seahawks making a move right now up to number two. The Green Bay Packers, who I still think might be the phoniest team in the National Football League, sitting at number three right now at the moment, followed by the Dallas Cowboys. Wonder, I can't believe the Dallas Cowboys are number four, but that's what happens when you sit atop of the weakest division in the National Football League this year, the NFC East. By default, Dallas is the number four seed. Number five, the San Francisco 49ers, who will be journeying into New Orleans this weekend. And number six, the Minnesota Vikings. The team's just on the outside looking in, and these are important gauges. Number seven, team's seeds are the Tennessee Titans in the AFC, the Rams in the NFC. Number eight, Oakland and the Chicago Bears. Number nine, Indianapolis and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And number 10, the Cleveland Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's the way the playoff picture looks or shapes up going into this particular weekend. And with that, Victor, we talked about, we opened up the show about some coaching firings that have happened in the world of college football, which is going to lead us to our NFL rant of the week. And Dan, if you could do the favors for our rant of the week on the show this week. And now this week's rant from Mark and Victor. Talking about the firings that we talked about to open the segment here in the National Football League, Ron Rivera was canned this week for the Carolina Panthers. And uh, the bottom line, it just goes to show you what winning today means, not so much what you've done in the past or how you've helped this football program attain legitimacy, which Carolina has done. I mean, since 2013, they had had uh, just two losing football seasons. And you look at their games this year. There were two football games, Victor, that the Panthers played where uh, Christian McCaffrey was stopped at the goal line in the final plays of the game. If he gets in, they win those games. I'm sure we're not even having this discussion right now. But that is Ron Rivera gone right now. But my rant is going to go on to another coach I think should be pink-slipped and pink-slipped ASAP. And I'm not speaking about Freddie Kitchens, who we've talked about before in the past, and uh, it was just really rather tragic to see the Cleveland Browns in the way that the uh, watching their football game against Pittsburgh on Sunday. Uh, they were a football team that uh, was outcoached, outclassed, outworked, and outhustled in that game against Pittsburgh. And I think Freddie Kitson's day will come here uh, before the end of the football season or by at least the end of the football season. But the coach that I'm targeting right now is a man who cost me dearly in some uh, contests that I'm involved in. And again, I guess the rants reflect how it reflects the pocketbook, and it really reflected and hit me hard when the, I watched the L.A. Chargers choke away another opportunity at a victory against the Denver Broncos on Sunday when their head coach, Anthony Lynn, stood on the sidelines like a stiff mannequin and didn't make a move for the final series of play when the Denver Broncos had the ball with seven seconds to go and inside their own 25-yard line, with the only play they could have option option to throw would have been a Hail Mary looking for a pass interference. And what happens? Denver throws a Hail Mary, and they get a pass interference. It's the reason the San Diego Chargers, every one of their losses this year, have been one-possession games. And if you're a head coach and you lose these one-possession games, it's not a good sign for your destiny you don't know how to win or complete football games, and we've seen it for a while now with Anthony Lynn and the L.A. Chargers here. 
I'm going to nominate Anthony Lynn to be the next football coach in the National Football League to get the pink slip and say adios to Well, when they have to no longer watch him coaching on the sidelines in the NFL, it will be a better day for me. That's my take, Victor, on a rant in the National Football League. Anything on your mind before we close out the segment? I got a little mini rant, but I want to switch gears back again to South Florida and college football. And I want to talk about a guy down here who's having a very, very good season, but he can't get away from getting ahead of himself. And I'm talking about Lane Kiffin. He went to Florida Atlantic to rehab his image. We know that. And he's done very, very well down here with the Owls. He's 25 and 13. And in fact, he's going to be playing for his second Conference USA title in three seasons this weekend long. So kudos to him for that. However, with that said, he can't get ahead of himself. The thing that would really turn this SEC carousel on his ear is if of all three SEC schools now shopping for coaches are all trying to land the same guy, none other than the incorrigible Lane Kiffin. <laughs> there are already reports, there are already speculation that he's already on the radar at Arkansas, at Missouri, at Mississippi. Mississippi State almost fired their coach. He may have been in the mix there as well. And let's be honest what he is. He's the hot mess of a supermodel football that executives just can't seem to resist. He's already been fired by the Oakland Raiders and the USC Trojans in his previous lives. And in between those gigs, made a poor decision to jilt Tennessee after one season. And let's not forget his offensive coordinator at Alabama. He was told to take a hike in the middle of the college football playoff by Nick Saban because his mind was on his next job and not on the business at hand, a playoff. So I say, Lane, don't get ahead of yourself. Okay, do what you got to do for the FAU Owls. Your job will come up in the offseason. But in the meantime, don't be this hot mess that you've been for many, many years now. Good luck this weekend. And just hold off on those coaching uh, uh, rumors right now. Well, I'm glad you had a little thought to say about that, Victor. It sounds like Lane Kiffin is not going to be on your Christmas card list this football <laughs> season here. Uh, you know, and also keep that in mind out there, listeners, about Lane Kiffin always job seeking, job shopping when he takes right. on Alabama Birmingham in the conference championship game this weekend, conference USA championship game. Uh, you know, he again is a coach that maybe doesn't have his mind set completely where it needs to be at this time of the football season. And if he doesn't, that could be a mistake against the UAB Blazers who are well coached by Bill Clark. So keep that thought in mind, combining the rant along with the coaching aspect in that particular football game. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. We're going to go inside the Baylor, Texas Big 12 Conference Championship game when we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this weekend's NFL and college football conference championship games this weekend. And it sets up our college football game of the week this week. We're going to discuss the Big 12 showdown, the rematch between the Baylor Bears and the Oklahoma Sooners. Victor, how do you see this rematch taking shape this Saturday? Well, it looks like a fun game here. 12 o'clock and Jerry's World will be open. Baylor versus Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship. And if you're following line moves, there's been already some significant moves in this game, which opened up at 61 points for your over-under betters. Uh, yesterday, as I was prepping for this game, the line was already up to 63 and a half. And here we go uh, on Wednesday morning when we record the podcast, and it's come up another full point to 64 and a half. And yeah, that is a, a lot of points since reintroducing the Big 12 Conference Championship game after a six-year absence, the two games in which Oklahoma was in both games, of course, have totaled 58 and 66 points. In terms of over-under records on this season, we basically have two pretty much middle-of-the-road teams, and that is significant in what is historically a pretty high-scoring contest. Baylor 6-6 six and six over-under on the season, 4-5 and over-under in conference play with an average of 52.3 total points per game Oklahoma comes in five six and one over under on the season also four and five over in the conference like their counterparts Oklahoma game is 68.0 on the season but however we will point out the offense has actually struggled comparatively speaking as of late with each of their last three games going uh, under the total for the Oklahoma Sooners now, of course, these two teams, they did play each other earlier uh, this season. Oklahoma was a minus 11. Over-under line was 68, very similar to this, this week's line. The final score was 34-31. to 31. That was that big comeback win for Oklahoma. The game ended up going under by four points. Uh, in that game, of course, Oklahoma came back from that 31-10 to 10 deficit, and they outscored Baylor 24-0. to 0. In the second half, in that game, Oklahoma had 525 yards on offense and Baylor had 307. In terms of the series history between these two teams, six out of the last 10 meetings have gone over the total. Nothing much significant there. I will throw in the fact, though, the average point scored in those 10 games has been 75.2 points per game. This is one of those games where I'm starting to see a little bit of a crack of value the higher the over-under line goes. As I mentioned, it opened at 61. It's already up to 64 and a half. And I'm going to not make a selection right now, Mark, but I'm going to follow the line move in this particular game. And my cutoff point is if I see the over-under line get to 65 and a half or more, I will make a play on the under in this particular game. Baylor 2-7 and over-under last nine games played in December. 4-11, their last 15 games on neutral sites. 3-11, that's three overs, 11 unders after scoring 40 or more points. And, of course, I mentioned the Sooners. The offense is not clicking like they usually are. Uh, their late season numbers are pretty strong overall for under betters. Like, for instance, their last 21 games played in the month of December for Oklahoma. There's been only three overs, 17 unders and one tie. They're also 310. That's three overs, 10 unders in their last 13 neutral site games. 
So the value is starting to creep in for us. We're going to wait till it gets up to 65 and a half and then recommend a small play on under in the Baylor-Oklahoma Big 12 championship. Victor's looking for the value to get there in the Baylor-Oklahoma game. He'll go under 65 and a half points if he sees that number come Saturday in this Big 12 championship rematch game. And the rematch it is when the Baylor Bears blew a huge 28-3 lead in an eventual 34-31 loss to Oklahoma. Uh, devastating loss, if you will, for the Baylor Bears. Uh, ruined their perfect season, if you will. So this is meaningful revenge in indeed for the Baylor Bears coming into this football game. My main concern about Baylor coming into this contest, however, is if you take a look inside the stats, and I did this in the Midweek Alert newsletter this week, I see where they've won the yards and only won of their last four football games. They're beginning to come apart, if you will. The Cotterpins coming out of the wheel statistically for the Baylor Bears as they wind down the season, coming through a tough gauntlet portion of the Big 12 schedule here. They are also a football team that had five one-possession games this season here, benefactors in four of those games. They managed to win four of their five one-possession games this season. Uh, Kudos to them for doing just that. Uh, and they would like to see nothing better than a one-possession game here as well. Incidentally, in the conference championship playoffs from our database, we note that teams that have identical records, as do the Baylor Bears and the Oklahoma Sooners, the underdog in those games is 12-7-1 and one against the spread in the history of college conference championship games. The Oklahoma Sooners come in here uh, right now on the heels of Utah and Georgia, They're sitting the number six seed right now in the college football playoff rankings, and it's very important because for Oklahoma, should the Georgia Bulldogs lose to LSU, which they're expected to do, or at least Vegas feels they will, and uh, also they could end up being a number four seed along the way if that happens, if Utah loses their football game to Oregon. So this is a huge game for the Oklahoma Sooners who could muscle their way into the number four seed in the college football playoffs. They know that going into this contest. The favorite in Big 12 conference championship title games has won nine straight years in a row, has gone seven and two against the spread. The Oklahoma Sooners themselves, 11 and two the last 13 times they've been a single digit favorite. And this from our smart box in this week's playbook football newsletter, and this is really rather noteworthy. This is what keeps me out of the Baylor Bears in this game. And I would normally be on Baylor like white on rice mm-hmm. for the important, meaningful revenge in the game, but I'm not going to be there. The reason I'm not going to be there is this, is that in the history of college football conference championship games, when you're looking at same season rematches, teams that met each other uh, previously in the uh, same season, Going backwards, we've had 43 of those games in college conference championship games. When the team that has the revenge is facing a 9-16 or better opponent, that's basically an opponent that has either zero or one losses on the season, and they have that same season revenge. Those teams are 0-9 straight up and 1-8 against the spread. That does not bode well for the Baylor Bears here. And with that incentive that I mentioned about Oklahoma, who has an outside chance to overtake Uh, both Georgia and perhaps Utah in this football game here. I'm going to lean to the Oklahoma Sooners from my side in this Big 12 Conference Championship game on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear apart our NFL game of the week. We've got a beauty inside the NFC West division, and we'll hop out to Las Vegas 
to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread in this week's College and Pro Football Cards, and it's time for our NFL Game of the Week. We're hopping out to the West Coast in the NFC Division when the Seattle Seahawks invade Los Angeles to take on the Rams this Sunday, a key game for both football teams. Victor, how do you have the Seahawks and the Rams faring this Sunday? Key game indeed. I would agree with that 100%. You mentioned the... uh current standings in the NFL in our earlier segment and the fact that the Rams, they're still in it. They're seven and five. They're breathing down the Minnesota Vikings neck. Only one big game behind for that very last potential wild card playoff spot. So yeah, this is a big game for both teams. And, and this is, this is the game in which I'm agreeing with the line move. It opened at 46 and a half. I bet it over at 47 as we record our podcast today, it's up to 48 points already. If you do feel like joining us, you're going to probably want to get in, as I could see it going up to 49 or more by the Sunday kickoff. Seattle, we know we're getting there. A very good offensive team, not the best defensive team. They do allow a lot of yards, a lot of points. 7-5 and five over under on the season for the Seahawks. Average points per game, 51.8. The Rams have actually been one of the better under teams on the season at four and eight over under. And we, we kind of know why they're playing good defense, but their offense has basically been in what rip Ben Winkle mode in the last six weeks when they've basically been sleeping for a six week period of their, what last big offensive game was probably the previous game against Seattle. These two teams played each other back on October 3rd, 59 total points were scored in that game. The over-under line was uh, similar to this week's line at 49 points. Seattle pulled off that 30-29 to 29 win at home against the Rams, a game that we note in which both teams did indeed combine for over 1,000 total offensive yards. And uh, that's been the norm uh, so far in this series. The last four meetings of this series between the Rams and the Seahawks have gone 4-0 to the over, average 59.7 points per game. I know the Rams haven't been the great high-scoring team at home that this year that they were last year. 
They're down to 46.6. I can't ignore that last year they were the number one home scoring offense in all of football, averaging 65.3 combined points per game at home. But, yeah, we're liking the over in this particular game. The Rams know what they have to do, of course, to achieve their goal. We need that consistent, productive performance from Jared Goff and the offense. They got it last week. It was easily his best game of the season, quarterback ranking of 120.70. Passed for, what, 424 yards in that big win over the Cardinals last week in which the Rams had a season high, 549 yards against the Cardinals. From our database, I've got a couple of uh, situations that indicate the over is the play. It's a small sample size, but significant nevertheless. Two of these apply to this season only. But NFL teams off a straight-up and ATS division road win of 14 or more points, like the Rams, have gone a perfect 6-0 and to the over this season. On the flip side, we got Seattle. Yeah, they come in with that big winning streak, four straight-up and ATS wins in a row. And this is 5-0 and to the over this season. Any NFL road team coming in off four or more straight-up and ATS wins in a row, it applies to the Seahawks. Uh, one more. This is 8-1-1 one, and one since 2014. All division games when both teams scored 34 or more in their last game. That, of course, happened last week for both teams. So it's there for the taking. You're going to want to get in as soon as possible. But, yeah, we're going over and expecting a shootout in L.A. as the Seahawks take on the Rams. Victor looks for a shootout between the Seahawks and the Rams in this NFC showdown game on Sunday, a critical game for both football teams. As you mentioned, Seattle comes into this contest here, currently the number two seed in the NFC playoff race. The L.A. Rams just on the outside looking in at number seven. So this ends up being a big game, obviously, for both of these teams. The Seahawks' seasons have really turned around. Russell Wilson having an MVP-type season this year. Were it not for Lamar Jackson and his outburst that we've seen so far, he would hands down be the MVP this year, Russell Wilson here. And they've done a lot of that by pounding the ball on the ground. They are the number three ranked team in rushing in the National Football League this season, up to number three, averaging 144 yards a game. That's always always a valuable tool to have in your handicapping arsenal when you have a football team that you know is going to run the ball down the other team's throat. The Seattle Seahawks come into this football contest here a perfect 6-0 to the spread when coming off a Monday night football game and taking on a 500 or better opponent. The one Achilles heel that they may have might be the fact that they're just 1-8 to the spread coming off a division game when taking on an opponent that's also off a division game. For the L.A. Rams, this is a football team that I see making a stretch move run here from now to the end of the football season here. And I think they're going to make a lot of noise between now and then. They are 7-5 and five straight up in the season, but if you look inside the stats at their numbers, only one team has done a better job in the stats than the Rams. That's the surprisingly Dallas Cowboys, who are 11-1 and one in the stats. The Rams have outgained 10 of their 12 opponents they played thus far this football season. And in fact, they just held Arizona to a season low 198 yards in their most recent effort, largely because of the fact that this football team is now healthy for the first time all season long. They've really been a team that's perhaps suffered the most from injuries this season here, but now you've got a healthy Rams football team that is looking a lot reminiscent of the Rams football team that made it to the Super Bowl last year. We also know that under head coach Sean McVay, the Rams in division games 
from game seven on out are eight and one straight up and seven and two against the spread. Aside from the improvement we're anticipating from the Rams this season here, this game is loaded with value. And I'm speaking from the standpoint that before the season began at CG Technology in Las Vegas, the Rams were installed as seven and a half point favorites in this football game. They are now a one and a half point dog, the same one and a half point dog they were at Seattle when they lost 30 to 29 earlier this season here. That's a lot of value here to the LA Rams coming to the football game. And with that, I'll play them as the home dog against Seattle on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas to check out the Vegas vibe in Las Vegas. With that, we welcome our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, the main question I have to ask of you, have you killed off that pumpkin pie? Uh, The pumpkin pie has been uh, eliminated. It's all (laughs) a part of history. But there's still plenty of turkey around, both on the football field and on uh, in my refrigerator. Well, that's a good thing. Always good. Thing. No, it never hurts to have turkey in the fridge. <laughs> no oh, doubt although about that. I, I will admit I'm I'm more of an apple pie person than a pumpkin or pecan pie. Oh, uh, there you go. Well, then you save yourself the uh, not having to overindulge in the whipped cream because there's pumpkin pie tastes good only when it's loaded with whipped cream. I can't say that well, about apple pie, but uh, well, I understand. Now you've given me a new thought for next year. There you go. Apple pie and whipped cream. Reconsider. There you go. (laughs) We can always make changes. We're visiting with Andy Isco, joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, uh, I know for listeners out there who haven't seen yet, I encourage you to download the Logical Approach football newsletter. You can do so at TheLogicalApproach.com. It's really a great handicapping tool to have, especially from now through the final run of the National Football League and with the college football bowl games just around the corner. And talking about a stretch run, Andy, here, I know it's getting to be uh, down to the final few weeks in the contest, in the major contest in Las Vegas. And where do we stand right now as far as the classic contest goes? I know that uh, Tuco had been making quite a charge this football season. How does Tuco stand as we head into this weekend? Well, Tuco is uh, still, as I recall, in the lead. He went two and three last week. However, the field has narrowed as, a, as far as the top contenders are concerned. Uh, last week, I'll, I'll go through the standings first, and then we'll go through what the, what the uh, consensus was last week. Right now, the uh, leader in the contest, Tuco, has a, a record of 44-20-1. That's 44.5 out of a possible 65 total points, getting one point for a cover and half point for a push. And that works out to 68.5% for the leader, and that's below what we've seen the last few years where we've pretty much become accustomed to uh, looking at 70-plus percent as being what was needed to win the contest. So uh, that uh, record of uh, 44.5 points uh, gives a a two-point lead over – excuse me, a one-point lead over two contestants who are at 43.5, three more at 43, three at 42.5, etc., all the way down to a total of 89 contestants right now within five points of the lead, 39 uh, and a half being the uh, uh, number that's five out of the lead. That works out to 60.8% in order to be within five points of catching the leader right now. Another 28 contestants are a further half point back with 39 points. And I mention that because the top 100 plus ties are going to cash this year. 
And that means right now 117 entries are in caching position, and that works out 39 out of 65 works out to exactly 60%. Many year, for many years, 60% was the benchmark for what you needed to ha achieve in order to cash one of the lower prizes. Now, keep in mind, we're talking now about 10, 15 years ago before the contest really started exploding with the national exposure it got. And usually there'd be between, say, 300 and 450 entries, and they would only pay 20 places. So 60% would still put you in the top 20, but because of the limited field, it would get you in the money. Well, right now, of course, we're talking over 3,300 entries, and yet 60% would be enough to get you part of the prize pool with four weeks remaining. As far as the plays themselves last week, the consensus uh, was two and three on their top five picks. Uh, the contestants won with the favorite team in the Packers, lost with the Jets and Patriots. Amongst the underdog selections, they were one and one with the 49ers covering as an underdog against the Ravens and the Cardinals losing as an underdog at home against the uh, L.A. Rams. So two and three puts the record for the season at 32 correct, 31 incorrect with two pushes. Favorites continue to struggle when they've been the more popular side in the contest. 42 up, 61 down, and two pushes when the overall contestants prefer the favorite side in the game. When they prefer the underdog in the game, it's a little bit better, but uh, well, it's actually it's much better, but still a little bit on the losing side uh, when you factor in the VIG. 41 up, 40 down with two pushes. So overall, including pick'ems and evenly split games, the overall results for the field, 83 winners, 103 losers, and four pushes. As far as the Super Contest Gold goes, that's the $5,000 winner-take-all contest, 117 entries. And here's where we have a two-way tie for the lead with a record of 39, 25, and 1. That's 39.5 out of a possible 65 points. That works out to that 60.8% that I mentioned was uh, within five points of lead in the main contest. And uh, we have a total right now of 40 within five points of the lead. And a total uh, that works out to just 53.1%. But, of course, keep in mind, there's only going to be one winner in this uh, contest, in this winner-take-all contest. The consensus last week, two and three. Of the uh, top five teams that were favorites, the winners were the Tampa Bay Bucks, the losers, the Indianapolis Colts, and the New England Patriots. Underdogs also two and one as part of the top five. Again, the 49ers, the most popular team in the contest for the gold as well. Uh, they uh, uh, covered against the Ravens. Monday night, the Vikings were the third most popular choice, and that was the point spread loser. Because of the smaller field, it has been possible and did occur several times this year where a number of teams would, or more than five teams would qualify for the top five consensus because there would be ties for the teams that had the fifth most popular uh, choices. As a result, 33 up, 33 down, and uh, uh, three pushes. So threes are wild as far as the consensus goes for the season in the Super Contest Gold. Looking at the Circuit Contest, the new kid on the block this year, that's the $1,000 entry fee. It's modeled after the Super Contest. Uh, however, they do have a little twist. They've had quarterly prizes of about $144,000 for the best record over specified four-week spans, one through four, five through eight, nine through 12. And last week was the start of the final quarter plus a week, weeks 13 through 17. Five and zero oh is in the contest lead for the quarterly prize. And that's not a surprise. What is a surprise? 51 contestants, a perfect five and zero oh last oh. Uh, week at the Circa. And that's from an entry field, entry field of just under 1900. 
The Packers and the Bucks were the two favorite teams in the consensus that came through. Of the underdogs, the 49ers and the Titans came through. The Cardinals uh, fell short. So 4-1 and one for the consensus for the year, 32 30 and 3. Here's where underdogs have been have been doing very well overall in the circuit contest. 49 winners, 38 losers and two pushes when the favored uh, team in the overall field of 1900 contestants uh, was the choice. Favorites 45 54 and 1 for the season 95 up, 93 down and three pushes. So, uh, overall results pretty much in the circa 500 for the contestants as a whole. However, the leaders in the contest, which I'm going to get to right now, one leader at 46 and a half out of a possible 65 points. That's 71.5%. So the leader in that contest doing the best of the three contests we've talked about. Uh, two contestants are two points back. So the leader with a two point lead overall, uh, there are 13 contestants at 639 percent or better this contest pays the top 10 million dollars for the first place prize it drops down to 100,000 for second place so actually the way the entries came in and the way they had their guarantee and the way they allocated the additional prize funds the uh, uh, winners of the quarterly prizes actually fare better than the contestants who will finish second however uh, for the third quarter two contestants split uh, that uh, 144000 so $72,000 either way. I'm sure they're not uh, all disappointed that they ended up tied. Yeah, you like to win by yourself, but it's still a nice payday for having a fine record of 16-4 and four over weeks 9 through 12. Finally, the Golden Nugget Contest. This is the one contest, the high-end contest, that uh, combines college and pro football selections, college and NFL selections. Seven picks a week, sides only, no totals are involved. There are two contestants tied for the lead right now with a total of 60 out of a possible 91 points, 59, 30, and 2. Identical records to get to the uh, 60 total points. 65.9% is the winning percentage. Overall, 17 contestants within five points of the lead in the Golden Nugget contest. That works out to 60.4%. Total of 10 places are played in the contest. So again, 60.4 has you within has you within uh, excuse me five points of the lead in the Golden Nugget as we get down to the final four weeks of the NFL season and these handicapping contests. Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas to get the update of the major contests that are going on as we head down to the stretch run of the contest as we're now into the month of December. And Andy, I know as you always do, our listeners would like to know if you've got a little bit of a preview look of the line moves that have happened here and perhaps the advanced lines for next week as well. Sure. Taking a look first at the, uh, excuse me, the line moves for uh, week 14, beginning with the Thursday night game, Dallas at Chicago. This one is interesting. Uh, as a result of there being no line move uh, uh, at, uh, at all. Looking back at the advanced line, Cowboys were expected uh, or were actually listed as three-point road favorites at Chicago. Uh, this line was put up uh, two days before Thanksgiving. Both uh, teams were in action on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. And uh, yet, uh, uh, despite the fact that Dallas lost at home, Chicago won at Detroit. Uh, no uh, adjustment on the line. And in fact, Dallas, when the line came out uh, a week ago Tuesday, it was Dallas minus three, minus 120. And uh, right now, the uh, slight adjustment has been that the Bears are plus three, minus 120. So uh, a little bit more action on the uh, Bears, but no adjustment in the line itself. Looking at the games of uh, Sunday, December 8th, 
Uh, that'll be week 14. Uh, the top game on the board, the Baltimore Ravens were seven-point uh, road favorites at Buffalo. That line is down to uh, five and a half. Uh, Green Bay had been a 14 point, 14 and a half point home favorite against Washington. That line is down to uh, 13. Uh, the Houston Texans, uh, that line's actually gone up a little bit after uh, their uh, results over the weekend, including Denver's win uh, at uh, home against the uh, Chargers. Nonetheless, Houston had been seven and a half. They are now nine. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, a three-point home favorite. They're actually down in most books right now to a two-and-a-half-point home favorite over the 49ers. Uh, despite the fact that the Saints won on Thanksgiving night, they have a little bit extra time. San Francisco, perhaps because they're off a loss at Baltimore in what could be a Super Bowl preview, uh, getting support on the uh, expectation that they will not lose two games in a row. Of course, we don't know if that will be the case. However, you should also be aware that San Francisco did not go back to the West Coast. They are spending this week preparing for the game down in Florida. Cleveland and Cincinnati, the Browns' 10.5-point home favorites, they've come down to an 8.5-point home favorite, perhaps on the news that uh, Baker Mayfield uh, had an injured hand late in, in the game against Pittsburgh. He apparently is fine, is expected to play. Nonetheless, support has come in for the now no longer winless Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Carolina, of course, jettisoning coach Ron Rivera on Tuesday. They're at Atlanta. The Falcons were one-point home favorites. They are now three-point home favorites. Detroit at Minnesota, there was no line on that game last week because of the then-uncertain status of Matthew Stafford. The line has come up, opened with the Vikings, a 14-point home favorite over the Lions. They are now down to 13. Miami and the Jets, the Jets were favored by 7.5. They're down to 5.5 over the uh, Miami Dolphins, perhaps because of the Jets going out on the road in an uncomfortable position as a road favorite and lost outright to the Cincinnati Bengals. Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. This one has seen some movement with the Tampa Bay Bucks opening a one-point home favorite against the Colts. The Colts, yeah, 31-17, but that was a 17-17 game late in that contest before the Colts fell apart and uh, Houston got the... Uh, or excuse me, Tennessee uh, got uh, the defensive, t uh, the uh, block kick for the touchdown. Nonetheless, Tampa Bay drawing some action. They are a three-point home favorite. Chargers at the Jags. Chargers up from a one to a three-point road favorite in that contest between two teams not making the playoffs. Kansas City at New England. The Patriots opened as four-point favorites. They are now currently on the key number of three. Pittsburgh at Arizona. This game was a pick when the line, the advanced line came out. Pittsburgh now up to a three-point road favored at Arizona. Pittsburgh needing to win to continue to harbor wild card hopes. Arizona out of the playoff picture. Tennessee at Oakland. This game opened a pick'em when the advance line came out a week or so ago. And the Tennessee Titans now two to two and a half point road favorites, depending upon where you shop. Finally, uh, for Sunday, the Sunday night game, Seattle at the Rams. Seattle was three minus 120 when this line came out uh, prior to last Thanksgiving's games. And currently, Seattle down to a one-point road favorite, uh, possibly because of the fact that they were involved in an uncharacteristically high-scoring game against the Minnesota Vikings, giving up 30 points in their win Monday night. But also, the Rams played like the Rams of 2018 in dismantling Arizona this past Sunday. And finally, the Monday night game, and there is some news that's coming out of New York for this game. Uh, New York at Philadelphia, the 
Eagles were eight-point favorites. Uh, they were up to eight-and-a-half earlier in the week, and as we're doing this podcast, we're seeing nines and nine-and-a-halves, and I'm even showing 110 offshore showing up on the Eagles with the announcement that Daniel Jones is in a walking boot unlikely to play, which means Eli Manning We will be back under center for uh, quarterback for the Giants. At least that's the word several days in advance of the game. And, of course, there is an extra day for the Giants for the situation to resolve itself as the Giants will be involved in the Monday night contest at Philadelphia. Turning now to the Week 15 advanced lines uh, here at the Superbook in Las Vegas, the Thursday night game, Jets at Ravens, Baltimore a 14-point home favorite. On Sunday, December 15, Tampa Bay is a four-point road favorite at Detroit. Philadelphia favored by six at Washington. Green Bay, a seven-point home favorite over the Chicago Bears and a key uh, divisional rivalry in the uh, NFC North. New England at Cincinnati, the Patriots favored by 10.5 on the road. The first of two late-season meetings in the AFC South between Houston and Tennessee. The game is at Tennessee. The Titans, two-and-a-half-point home favorites. Seattle flies across the country to Carolina. Seahawks favored by four-and-a-half on the road. AFC West encounter Denver at Kansas City. The Chiefs at home favored by 12-and-a-half. The New York Giants hosting the Miami Dolphins. Uh, will the Giants be able to snap their lengthy losing streak if they don't do it in Philadelphia? Well, they're favored by three and a half to do so at home against Miami in week 15. Uh, Buffalo at Pittsburgh, one of the week's most attractive matchups. Buffalo almost certain to be the top wild card, yet still have uh, not an unrealistic or certainly not an infinitesimal chance to catch New England in the AFC East. Of course, that would likely require New England to lose at Kansas City this week, and then they'll have a showdown in New England later, so Buffalo will have a chance. Buffalo, a one-point road favorite at Pittsburgh in the game that has been flexed to the Sunday night game in Week 15. Jacksonville at Oakland, the Raiders favored at home by four. Cleveland favored by two-and-a-half on the road at Arizona. San Francisco 49ers will be returning home, favored by 11.5 over the Atlanta Falcons. Dallas favored at home by 3.5 over the Los Angeles Rams. And the game that had been the Sunday night game has now been flexed to the late afternoon starting spot. Minnesota favored by 3 at the Los Angeles Chargers. Monday night, December 16th, it'll be Indianapolis at New Orleans, which could be a very intriguing matchup on several fronts. The New Orleans Saints at home favored by 8.5 points. Andy Isco with an overview of the line moves in the advance lines happening in Las Vegas as we're speaking this weekend. And to that, I can only say, look out, Philadelphia. Eli's coming this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and before I hand it off to Andy for his complimentary play, Victor, I'd like to know if you've got a question you'd like to run by Andy on the show as well. Just a quick one, Andy. Do you have any sort of a short update on what's going on there with the Las Vegas Raiders Allegiant Stadium construction? Well, they're about to get starting to put the roof on the stadium. All is expected to be uh, ready in time for the start of the 2020 uh, season when the Raiders will be relocated to uh, Las Vegas. And it'll be interesting to see how the betting is impacted here in Las Vegas uh, as far as the Raiders now being the home team. They've already drawn a lot of betting action as a result of the impending move. I uh, don't think it'll be to the magnitude that we've seen with the uh, Golden Knights, the hockey team that came here three seasons ago and has really drawn a lot of action. Of course, their first season success 
had a lot to do with the continuation of that action. But at this point right now, although the Knights had been struggling prior to their recent three-game uh, winning streak, they were starting to be overbet, and they were starting to show a lot of sophisticated action coming in against the Knights. Whether this uh, the, the current momentum will reverse that and we'll start seeing more action coming in on the Knights may give a little bit of an indication as to what the betting action might be in 2020 once the Raiders are officially here, playing here, practicing here, and under even greater scrutiny than they are right now by the local media. The Oakland Raiders getting ready to make their move to Las Vegas for the 2020 football season. And before we let Andy go, Andy, I know our listeners would love to know what you're looking at in the National Football League this weekend. I'm going to take a look at the Arizona Cardinals getting three points at home from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kyler Murray, the rookie Arizona quarterback, got introduced to the NFL last week for certain uh, with uh, uh, the outstanding defensive performance applied at the defensive pressure also applied to him by the Los Angeles Rams, who, as I mentioned earlier, looked like the uh, 2018 version of the Rams that went to the Super Bowl. They're going up this week against a Pittsburgh defense that has improved, uh, but the key for me in this game is Kyler Murray's continued uh, improvement, uh, the overall improvement of the Arizona uh, team as well. And they're going up against a quarterback uh, for Pittsburgh, uh, who uh, Hodges, who uh, is still pretty much untested. Uh, and I think that as a result, Pittsburgh, with the injuries that they have, Juju uh, Smith, uh, the uh, uh, Connors uh, running back, uh, will have some difficulty sustaining momentum. If you look at Pittsburgh's performance over the last few weeks, their defense has kept them in the games. The offense has not been very productive, and now they're going up against a quarterback who has shown signs in his rookie season that he can be a dynamic young quarterback. He's shown great poise as Kyler Murray. I'm looking for Arizona to uh, – I'm going to – well, I'm going to split – splitting my play, both taking the plus three but also on the uh, money line. I think uh, – Pittsburgh's done a fine job this year, given all the injuries. This may be Mike Tomlin's best or second-best coaching job, but I think it's in a very difficult spot this week, and I'm going with an Arizona team that, despite the fact that they're 3-8-1, and one, they continue to play hard. They continue to show improvement. I throw out the game against the Los Angeles Rams. I was meeting the wrong team at the wrong time, and I'm going to look for Arizona to get back on the improvement trail that they've shown as they look forward to the 2020 season. Andy, I agree with you on both counts, both the Arizona Cardinals and the fact that Mike Tomlin has done arguably his best job as a coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers thus far this football season. By the way, Mark, let me point out. out, I mentioned this about Mike Tomlin, and I was wondering – He's he's been accused of being a poor game manager, making poor in-game decisions, and I wonder what he was thinking last week in the game against Cleveland. Cleveland was out of timeouts. They were coming out of a commercial break. The Steelers had, I think it was third and sixth, or they'd have to punt the ball and give Cleveland an opportunity to go down the field and uh, potentially have a chance to uh, tie the game with a touchdown, and he calls for a passing play. Uh, that would stop the clock if unsuccessful. Yeah, the reward of getting the first down and ending the game at that point uh, was uh, was was a gamble to consider. But I would have maintained that the ability to run an additional 40 seconds off the play clock, if you just run the ball, come up short and half the punt and gain 50 yards in field position, would have outweighed the uh, risk of not having a completed pass. Time was on the Steelers' side, not the uh, not the uh, location on the field. 
Andy, I'm only going to guess it was because he glanced over at the Cleveland sidelines at Freddie Kitchens and saw that they started a T-shirt, and his mind got a little bit discombobulated, remembered what his Could focus be. and his job was <laughs> at that particular time. But uh, I agree with you. Uh, X and O's coaches, maybe not the best, but doing a great job with the Steelers thus far this football season. Absolutely. Andy, great job on the show once again this week. As always, I'm going to wish you the best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to visiting with you once again next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Mark, Victor, all the listeners have a great start to the holiday season as we begin the stretch run. And keep in mind, I just want to point out one thing. For those who have made season win total plays and you're thinking possibly about hedging, those opportunities are coming up over the final few weeks. And you might get an opportunity to do a hedge if you're not comfortable with your position by taking nice underdogs on the money line to protect positions. Sound advice from the man in Las Vegas, Andy Isco. Have a great week, Andy. We'll catch you next week. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I will put the final wraps on the show. We'll share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays. When we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week all right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football in the conference playoff games this week. We call it Don't Play It Again, Sam. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football team in its conference championship game if they allow three or fewer points in their last regular season game and are coming off a straight-up and ATS win. These teams who were stingy defensively in their final game and won and covered the game are just 2-13 and 13 against the spread in these conference championship games. That becomes a 13-2 and two play against or an 87% play against. With that, we'll play against the Clemson Tigers and grab the points with Virginia for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his complimentary play. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend. This is a uh, busy time of the season for us. I say that because we have an eagerly anticipated publication coming out next week. Our playbook College Bowl stat report will be available on December 12th. Uh, As I mentioned, eagerly anticipated, one of the best bowl publications in the country, bar none. And, of course, don't forget uh, this week available at playbook.com, we got Playbook issue number 16, which, of course, focuses on the college conference championship games. Playbook totals tip sheet newsletter. Playbook midweek alert newsletter. And uh, the Wise Guy contest uh, as well. 50 of the best 
handicappers in the country going at it against each other. So don't forget the playbook publications, particularly the big one coming out next week. Uh, for our King Creole service, we got a conference championship game in which we'll be going over the total on Saturday, our four-star over of the week in college football. We are pleased to complete the regular season at 67% against the spread with our college football over-unders. Very pleased with that record. We'll see if we can continue those numbers this Saturday with our four-star over the weekend. we got a, a big one in the NFL, our five-star NFL game of the month for December. We'll be going this week as well. Yes, it's a game in which we'll be going over the total. We hit back in November with the Giants and the Lions over the total. I believe that was our November five-star. Got another one going this week. And as always, our selections available at playbook.com. We'll have both of our best bets available by Thursday night at the website. And for this week's free play, we're going to give the ball to Monkey, our second K-9. And Monkey will be going under in the game that Andy just talked about. So we're kind of tag team in that game with Andy's side play opinion on the underdog Cardinals. We're going on the under in that particular game as well. And we don't want to miss out on this one here. This is one of our signature team trends. And the fact that Pittsburgh is uh, what a favorite of what two and a half points this game currently. I absolutely love it. In the last four seasons, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been road favorites of more than a point 18 times. One over, 16 unders, one tie. Pittsburgh, 1-16-1, over, under, as road favorites of greater than a point in the last four years. When Pittsburgh has ever road chalk, we always go under the total. We're doing it again this week. We're also riding a situation here in which Yes, I certainly acknowledge that Arizona's got the worst defense in the NFL. In fact, they're off three, what, three straight losses in a row in which they allowed 28 or more points. However, with that said, in the last four years from our database, NFL teams off three losses in a row in which they allowed 28 or more each game. Four overs, 20 unders. That's four and 20 over under. It applies to the Cardinals, who are also in the midst of three straight Home games in a row. And this has gone 2-14 and 14 over under all the way back since 1983. All teams in the second of three straight home games. If they lost the first one by 10 or more and it went under the total, that's what happened last week when Arizona lost to the Rams at home. And uh, this is also a very good division versus division pattern that I queried in the database when NFC West division teams play AFC North division teams, the results have been 6-24-1 and one over, over under all time. That's six overs, 24 unders. When the OU line falls in the range of greater than 39 and less than 48 points. And uh, from looking at this week's totals tip sheet newsletter, Mark, we note that Pittsburgh is one of only two teams in the NFL this season that, of course, has gone under in every single road game this season. In fact, Pittsburgh's last over uh, period was way back on November 3rd. That's four straight unders in a row for the Steelers. Here you go. This will clinch it for us. Two and 15 over under last three years. Non-division road teams playing off four or more unders in a row when the over-under line is 50 or less points. This one's currently 43 and a half. Monkeys going under the total, Steelers versus Cardinals. 
We've got a big one in college football on Saturday, a five-star game of the month in the NFL on Sunday. Of course, everything, as always, available at playbook.com. And, of course, best of luck to you this weekend, too, Mark. Victor goes under the total along with Monkey, getting that Monkey off its totals back. He's going to go under the total in the Arizona-Pittsburgh game with some powerful numbers and trends inside that football contest. Be sure to join Victor for his five-star college football game of the month this Saturday, along with all of his plays at playbook.com. And while you're there, download a copy of this week's Playbook Totals tip sheet newsletter just in time for the NFL games as well. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners once again out there that our friends at mybookie.ag, the only offshore sports book that I, Mark Lawrence, personally endorse, we're offering all signups or all signups a bonus when you, you use the code playbook. Log on to mybookie.ag and use the promo code playbook to get your sign-up bonus today or give them a call toll-free. The number is one 866 bets That's one 866 2387 for your bonus at mybookie.ag. And just a quick note that my $69 guaranteed weekend of winners this weekend will feature our college football conference play of the year. We've gone 6-0 and the last six years on this top college football conference play of the year. It's included with a $69 guaranteed week of winners. To take advantage, log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free now to get on board at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the show this week, we're going to go right to the Playbook Football Newsletter this week and zero in on our upset game of the week. We're going to play Alabama-Birmingham plus the points against Florida Atlantic and fade Lane Kiffin, as we talked about earlier on in the show, with Kiffin's focus maybe not 100% entirely on this game. We do know that Bill Clark from the UAB Blazers focus will be 100% on this game here. He's one of the best coaches in college football, both on the field and against the spread. UAB is the defending conference champion. Last year, they were an underdog in the same game against Middle Tennessee State and won the whole game straight up. Good news for the Blazers. Their starting quarterback, Tyler Johnston Jr., is back. He's been out. He missed three games. He came back last week and got a little bit of play under his belt, and he'll be available for the Blazers this weekend, and and he's a big, big force in that lineup, so keep an eye on that, the return of Tyler Johnston for Alabama-Birmingham. As far as Florida Atlantic goes, uh, when they come into this contest, they're just one and four to the spread the last five games as single-digit favorites, and we also note this from our database. Home teams in college conference championship games – have uh, really struggled. And in fact, when they're coming off a straight up and point spread win, they're just four, eight, and one against the spread. With that, we're going to fade Florida Atlantic and grab up the points with the Alabama Birmingham Blazers for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. For Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above until next week. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always. <laughs>